Be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Jim was joking with me earlier, I think I want to find somewhere else to be right now, talking about deacons. Uh, and this is one of the beauties of looking at a, a book, preaching through it. It's not like uh, I want to have an axe to grind, some big thing that I want to address, but rather uh, we want to look at this topic of deacons because it is the next passage in the Word of God. We want to build our life, our ministry upon the Word of God. Remember, the summary verse of this chapter, of this book, is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. But if I'm delayed, delayed from coming to you, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So he's saying, I'm not here right now, but I'm writing so that you can know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God or the family of God. This, and we're going to look at those descriptions next week, Lord willing. Just amazing descriptions of God's plan for the church. We're saying this is, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to conduct yourself while I'm gone, while I'm not there in your midst. And one of the things that he addresses here is that a church must select and have qualified deacons. You must select and have qualified deacons. Uh, maybe some were already serving. Maybe they needed to choose some new ones, or when the time would arise, some choose some new deacons. And then he's giving guidance. This is what you think through. This is what you look at regarding deacons in the church. He just looked at, in verse 1 and following, the role of an overseer, another name for a pastor. And now he's looked at, likewise, verse 8, the role of a deacon. And a deacon starts with not their actions. In fact, there's a little that's told specifically about their actions. We'll unpack some of that in a little bit. But what is highlighted, first of all, is their character and conduct. And so the church must select and have qualified deacons. Well, what qualifies a man to be a deacon? The first qualification is this, godly character and conduct, godly character and conduct. Look there in verse 8. It says, likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money. So first of all, they are to be reverent or dignified, worthy of respect in their behavior, uh, appropriate, serious-minded. It's not that they can't joke about things, but they know how to have a proper respect towards the things of God and his word. So they are uh, reverent in their behavior and then not double-tongued. If you think about this, not uh, their speech is addressed. It is something that their speech should be uh, sincere. They shouldn't be insincere in their speech. They shouldn't say one thing and mean another or be hypocritical. Can they be trusted in what they say? This is one of the qualifications. goes on and says, not given to much wine. Wine in the Bible was a common drink, but not nearly as strong as it is today. Uh, it would be hard to be just consuming the normal drinking to be able to get drunk. And so not given to wine was someone who was purposing to get drunk, not showing self-control. And so this is uh, the heart of this, not showing uh, to, to show that self-control in the area of alcohol, but also in other areas as well. I think uh, today the best way, uh, certainly drunkenness is sin, from, shown in the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 5. I think the best way to not get drunk is to not drink. 
And so uh, what is addressed here is showing this self-control in the area of alcohol that it relates to other areas as well. Then it goes on in the end of verse 8, not greedy for money. So not consumed with making money, uh, but they are showing integrity in their handling of their money, can be trusted. Look down at the end of verse 10, we say blameless. Now this is the same overarching term that's used for that of an overseer, a bishop, a pastor in verse 2. A bishop then must be blameless. And so that relates to uh, uh, being worthy of respect and not having uh, an accusation that's given against them that could stick. Well, they do this. They said that. And uh, what, what it's showing is not someone that is perfect, but rather someone who is seeking to walk with God. They're seeking to please God in their lives. They're dealing with sin. They're seeking to grow in righteousness and to please the Lord in their lives of their life. Uh, as we look at this here, what is, found, what is described, first of all, for a qualified deacon? It's their character and their conduct. It's not because of how they're well-known or maybe they've been in the church a long time. It's not because they're a, a good businessman or a good leader. No, what is their character and conduct like? That is foundational. And just like with a pastor, a pastor's character and conduct is foundational to their their responsibilities in serving the Lord, so too with a deacon, their character and conduct is foundational. And so we need to look at a man regarding these qualifications. What is the second qualification? Knowledge and consistent application of the truth. Look there in verse 9. It says, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. So holding, grasping, and understanding, what is it said? The mystery of the faith. See that word mystery, it's a word that's used a number of other times in the New Testament. And it's not uh, like a, uh, a novel where you're trying to figure out what's going on, but rather it is, as it's used in the New Testament, primarily it's something that was not made known, but now is made known. And it's applied, say, in the context of the church. The church was not made known in the Old Testament, but now it has been made known. It is revealed. We can know this. And so he's not just saying, I hope you figure out the faith. It's like this mystery you're trying to figure out. He's saying, no, what's the knowledge of the faith? And the deacon should be holding on to that. He should be grasping it. He should have a a basic understanding of the word of God. Not that he has to know every little uh, doctrinal detail, but that they should be able to grasp the truth and to explain it in, in summary form. This relates to the truths of the gospel, uh, of how someone is saved, uh, talking, walking through uh, faith in Christ alone and not uh, good work, saving, uh, things like that. Should be able to explain the gospel, to talk about the gospel, but should also be able to talk about truth and I think because it uses that word mystery of the faith, truth about the church. They should have a, a basic understanding of what God has said about the church and be able to live that out. And that's where the last phrase says, with a pure conscience, a clean conscience. Conscience is that sense of right and wrong that God has given to us. And so his deacon doesn't just know the truth, but also is seeking to live that out with a clean conscience. They're taking to, seeking to apply the truth that they have heard and grasped to their life. 
This is, this is a consistent theme of Scripture. Knowledge is never an end in and of itself. We're going to look at that next week as well, Lord willing. Knowledge should be applied. And so the knowledge of the truth should be applied to one's life. And again, it's not that they're perfect, uh, but yet they're seeking to hear the truth and, and live it out in their own lives, applying it and letting their lives be shaped and changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, someone who grasps the truth and is working to apply that to their life, this is a qualification for a deacon. Third qualification is a period of testing. We see this in verse 10, but let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons being found blameless. So before someone should be put forth to the church to serve as a deacon, they should be tested in some way. Well, what should they be tested about? Well, in light of what we've just looked at, what is their character and conduct like? You should know enough about a man for him to come and be a deacon. Does he meet these qualifications? Is he seeking to walk with the Lord and please the Lord with his life? Uh, And so does he meet these qualifications? Does he have a knowledge of the truth and working to apply that to his life? Uh, a deacon should be known enough that you should know, yes, he meets these qualifications. And if you're unsure about that, then there should be a pause in that. Remember, for a pastor from verse 6, he should not be a novice or a new believer. A new believer shouldn't be put into the role of a pastor. I think that similar thing is with a deacon, a new believer or someone you don't know much about shouldn't be put into this role of a deacon uh, but yet there should, should be a period of testing, of asking, of knowing them, of, of knowing uh, what level, if there's a level of spiritual maturity in their lives. Notice as the verse goes on, after they're tested, then let them serve as deacons. Uh, serve as deacons. Serve is actually a, a variation of the word deacon. That's what the heart of deacon means, to serve. And so here we see uh, this, is, this is the essence, I think, of a deacon is that they serve and they serve the church. So after being tested, then they uh, step into that role of being a deacon and they serve the church, seeking to do so in a blameless manner that is pleasing the Lord. I think this gives us another insight into what the testing is about. In what ways is the man already serving the church now? Someone doesn't just put into an office hoping that they'll get them to serve more, but rather, how are they serving right now? And this is what Christ calls us to do, what Christ calls every believer to do is to serve the Lord. And there should be uh, many men who are serving the Lord, even if they're never called upon to be a deacon, they're doing so because Christ has compelled them to do this, that they're living this out in their, their lives. And so one who would be qualified for a deacon is one who is serving whether they have a title or not because they're caring for people. They're caring for the ministry of the church and they're, they're living that out in their lives. Let's turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. There's not many places that talk through specifically the, the role and responsibilities of a deacon. Uh, here the, the title deacon is not used particularly, though the word Verb form, uh, deacon is used, which means to serve. 
Uh, here, and then uh, Philippians chapter 1 speaks of Paul writing to the overseers and deacons in the church in Philippi. So these are two biblical offices for a church to be properly organized. They need to have a, a deacon and pastor, uh, seeking, or at least seeking to have one. What, what about this here in the early church? Let's look in Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. You know, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. The church was growing so much there that they had so many people, so many needs that they couldn't meet all those needs. And there's a particular group of believers who were being neglected, not purposely so, but these uh, were uh, Greek-speaking culture and Greek uh, influence there, although they were Jewish by nationality, and their widows were not being taken care of. And so the 12 came up with a suggestion for the church. Verse 2, then the 12, the apostles, summoned the multitude of the disciples and said to them, said, so they're, they're talking to the church, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. That word serve is to deacon tables. So this is the verb, the, the essence of deacon, serving to deacon tables. And the 12 are saying, it's not that they weren't willing to meet these needs. But they thought it would be better for others to meet these needs of these widows uh, as ver because, verse 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. A pastor can't do everything. He shouldn't do everything. Uh, and um, deacons are God's plan to come alongside a pastor to help him so he can better focus on prayer and the ministry of the word. And so the, the apostles suggest this to the church, and then the church, notice the church is to select them. It's an example of congregational government. In verse 3, Therefore, brethren, seek out or select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So look at their lives. We could add these qualifications to First uh, Timothy chapter 3, so they have a good reputation, whether in the church or the community, they're full of the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit in their lives, and displaying wisdom in life uh, that we may appoint over this business, really this matter. What's the matter? The care for widows in the early church there. If they do that, then we, verse 4 again, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. pastor and deacons working together to serve the church. This is God's plan. This is his goal. And verse 5 says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. So the church chose these deacons, and the apostles said, yes, these would be great men to be able to do this. They laid their hands on them, I think, sense of giving authority of recognition to go fulfill this ministry. And what was the end result? Verse 7, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. God blessed their ministry with further opportunities to share the word of God 
uh, and people were coming to Christ, even some priests there. Why? Because the apostles were able to focus more on prayer and the ministry of the word, and the needs were being met as the pastor and deacons worked together. This is God's plan, his goal. And what does it come from? A heart of serving the Lord, heart of serving the church. See, the role of a deacon is not a position of power, of influence. It's a place of service. And I'm thankful for the ways that we have been able to, over the years, work together as pastor and deacons. I'm thankful for their encouragement to me, their example. I've learned from each of them. I've been encouraged in my own walk with the Lord and challenged. And I'm thankful for the ways that they serve the church. This is what God wants for us. For a church is for pastor and deacons to work together to serve the Lord, to serve the body of Christ to meet needs as they arise. A period of testing, looking at their life, looking at their service, then let them serve as deacons. Then fourth qualification, a God-honoring household. We'll come back to Acts chapter 6 in just a moment if you want to save your spot there. But we're going to go to back to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 11, when he says, Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanders, temperate, faithful in all things. That word for wives could also be translated women, depending upon the context. And from this, some uh, good Bible teachers believe that he's addressing uh, women deacons. Uh, not serving in authority over men, but serving and ministering into women or children in the church. And it is a legitimate, it could be a very faithful application of this. I'm not necessarily convinced of it, but it's not wrong if a church, looking at this verse, says we believe we should have women deacons who serve in the church in various ways, as long as it's within the proper authority structure that God has designed. I don't think he's talking about the just uh, separate uh, group of women. Uh, this verse is just sandwiched in there between addressing deacons in verse 10 and then addressing deacons in verse 12. And so I think he's just talking about the wives of the deacons, that they also have a heart for the Lord and walking with him and serving, that they would serve together, that she would encourage him in his ministry. And those... Uh, Terms, the qualifications in verse 11 parallel that uh, description for that of a deacon. And so their wives must also have a proper reverence for the things of the Lord. It's not slander. So in their tongue, they're, they're not tearing others down, but they're trustworthy in that. They're temperate. They're showing self-control and they're trustworthy. They're faithful in all things. And so their, their home life, what is that like that matters? Deacons and wife serving the Lord together in various ways. In verse 12, that the deacons be the husband of one wife. So this is uh, sim very similar to the, the bishop, the same terminology, the husband of one wife. So he is a one-woman man. He is devoted to his wife, faithful to her, uh, cultivating that relationship with her, so again, just like with the, the overseer, what is his home life like? What is his marriage like? Is it one that is worthy of an example? Is one worth following? Uh, and then ruling their children in their own households well. 
The husband is providing spiritual leadership in the home, seeking to bring his children, if he has children at home, up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He's working to take care of his home by providing the spiritual leadership and order that it needs. And so he's seeking to be faithful at home. This is a consistent pattern of Scripture as well, that our faith in Christ begins to be worked out in our homes. It's not just what we do when we're around other people, but we need to seek to live that out in our own homes. And so this is, this is just look at how does he live, seeking to live out his faith in his own home. Again, this is not going to be a perfect thing, but he's seeking to, working to be diligent and bringing his children and, and wife, guiding them spiritually. There's an encouragement for, for, for uh, deacons, verse 13, for those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the first encouragement is they obtain a good standing. It has the idea of a good reputation. People know and see, wow, they are being faithful to the Lord. And again, someone shouldn't serve just to try to get a good reputation. That's serving with the wrong motive. But when the heart is serving the Lord, serving the church, uh, sometimes there can be that, or that recognition in the church or in the, even beyond that in the community. Perhaps it, it relates to you too. Some deacons go on to be pastors as the Lord creates in them a desire to continue to serve the Lord. Uh, so that could be an application of this as well. And then that next thought, here's the other encouragement, and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Let's turn back to Acts chapter 6. And here I think we see an example of this. In Acts chapter 6, remember one of the deacons was named Stephen. He was helping widows get food, administering to their needs. But that was not all that God was doing and using him in verse 8. We read of Stephen in Acts chapter 6, verse 8, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did one great wonders and signs among the people. And then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spoke. So Stephen, as he's serving as a deacon, what is he doing? He's getting opportunities to share the gospel. And God's giving him such great boldness in that that no one can object and refute him. They don't have any answer back. And I think uh, tying this with 1 Timothy 3, deacons often serve in, in helping with material things. But as a result, God can open up opportunities for sharing the gospel and give a great boldness in that to them that they be able to share their faith as they're taking care of a physical matter. Because what they're not just concerned about the physical matter. They're also concerned about the spiritual and how the two tie together. And so deacons can be encouraged that their labors is not in vain. Serving the Lord is not in vain. The Lord sees, the Lord knows. There may be some form of earthly recognition that the Lord uh, brings their way. And he can give them great boldness and as, as he gives them opportunities to share the gospel as they're faithfully serving in their church. 
Let's think through some applications here. So church must select and have qualified deacons. Uh, So they should be encouraged in their service of the Lord. The Lord sees and knows. Uh, First application is pray for deacons. I'm thankful for those who pray for me faithfully and regularly. But we should also pray for the deacons Pray in light of God's word here, that they would be faithful to these qualifications, that they would serve the church, that they would, God would bless them in their home lives as they seek to live out their faith there, that they would be encouraged in their work as a deacon, that they would work together with pastor for the glory of God serving the church. Pray for them. Secondly, pray that God will raise up men to be deacons. Paul's writing to Timothy in the church, select men who are qualified to be deacons. What happens if there's no one who's qualified to be a deacon? The Lord wants men to so have a heart for God, a so love for him to be motivated by the love of Christ towards them, that they're serving God, not because of, of any desire for a role or position, but they're serving Christ who died for them. And if God would ask them, the church would ask them to to step into that role of a deacon, they would be willing to do so because they're qualified. God wants men who are ready and willing to serve as deacons because they're walking with God. They're serving God in their local church. And third application, pray that the church will learn from the example of deacons and how they serve the church. Why should the church have godly pastor and godly deacons? Because we should be godly. We should be able to look at their example and ultimately the example of Christ and be spurred on in our faith, spurred on in the knowledge of the truth, spurred on in serving the Lord. It's not just for those who hold an office to be able to serve. God wants every one of us to be serving in some way, shape, or form. And we need to learn from this example, learn from the men that God has raised up and to be encouraged and strengthened in our walks with the Lord and serving the church. May God continue to work in our midst that we would serve Christ together for his glory. Father God, thank you for the deacons that you have raised up. Thank you for their faith in Christ, how you've stirred in their lives to help them to grow in knowing the truth and applying that to their lives. We give you thanks for that, and we pray that they would continue to walk with God. We pray that they would as well continue to grow in their knowledge of the truth and applying that to their lives, that they would have a heart of service for the church and We would be able to work together for your honor and glory. We pray that you would help them and bless them in their home lives, that they would seek to live out their faith there and to those closest to them, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We ask, Lord God, that you would continue to raise up men to be deacons, men who are walking with God and seeking to serve him in their lives. Uh, Whether or not they would ever enter into that official role or not, but, but they're coming to church to be a blessing to serve because of their love for Christ. 
May each of us be encouraged in serving the Lord as well in our lives. Thank you for your plan for the church, that you have made it known what the church should be and how it should organize and conduct itself. May you continue to work in our midst and we be submissive to Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.